Welcome to On Public Square, a City of Clarksville podcast where we get to know the amazing city employees that help keep the lights on. They're our friends, our family, our neighbors, and each of them has a story to tell. Now, let's say hello. Welcome to another episode of On Public Square. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Casey Williams, with the Communications Department. And we have here some very special guests to talk about uh, waterway safety as we come up to uh, summer. I guess summer's already here now, but plenty of it left, especially with the fourth coming up. Um, I have two of our amazing uh, folks from Clarksville Fire Rescue. We have uh, Michael Rios and Brandon McCurdy. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. And just to start, if we can uh, get some introductions. Michael, would you like to go first? Assistant Chief Michael Rios. I've been at Clarksville Fire Rescue for 21 and a half years. I'm uh, mostly in charge of like the admin side, so a lot of paperwork, PR, behind the scenes type of thing, recruitment. So We've worked together for a long time, even before I was yeah. with the city. Uh, you were my main press contact at Clarksville now. So uh, we've gotten to, and you also take some incredible sports photos, by the way. We always talk, uh, Michael took some photos for high school football in particular for Clarksville now. Photography is a passion of mine, especially when it comes to sports. So I kind of carried over to uh, the fire department. So I do all the pictures, well, most of the pictures for Clarksville Fire Rescue. I always welcomed you taking the sports photos because I'm not good at those. Um, and you do an amazing job with them. I appreciate it. And uh, Brandon, if you can introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Brandon McCurdy, Assistant Chief Special Operations over the Fire Department. So my area involves anything water-related rescues, either on the Blue Way, on the river, um, any type of specialized rescue in trench rescue, rope rescue, anything like that kind of falls into our wheelhouse. What does rope rescue mean? So any type of a high-angle type rescue. Uh, some target areas we have is like Queens Bluff. Uh, somebody gets injured over there, we can go over there and assist to get them down the bluff, up the bluff, around the bluff, whatever needs to happen. Gotcha, so, gotcha. And how, how long have you been with? Uh, 18 years. Well, and how'd you get started? So I started off as a volunteer. I uh, started volunteering straight out of high school at the Cunningham Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, it was a passion that I quickly realized I wanted to make a career and was able to get on a cultural fire rescue at 21. And that was 18 years ago, and it's been just a kid living my dream ever since. I know a lot of folks at the Palmyra yep, uh, yep. Volunteer House. A lot of good people down there also. Yeah, Nelson is a guy yeah, I used to coon hunt. Yes. I used to coon hunt with Nelson. Really? You admit that. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nelson's a good guy. I see him walking up and down 48 all the time going yeah. to the dollar store. I have seen him since he got married. Really? Yeah. I know he got married. Oh, he got married. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. But, uh, yeah, it's good to have you too. And I definitely wanted to talk uh, – actually, Councilperson Streetman recommended – uh, originally to get swift water up here. And I've been wanting to talk with some folks for Clarksville fire rescue for a while anyways. Absolutely. And, uh, between summer getting started and some of this hot weather we've had lately, hot, dry weather and fireworks season, of course, being upon us, it seemed like a great time to talk with Clarksville fire. And we have a, a lot to talk about, but I think let's get started with, with waterway safety and the swift water rescue team. Uh, around the time I got started with the city, I came out and photographed some of the Swiftwater team's training okay. out at the marina, and it was really cool to watch. I'd never seen uh, some of that before. They set up some of the hoses and, and got the water running real quick and practiced. Right. Uh, yeah. So that was uh, the training that I, that I put on. So 
two years ago, myself and Captain Tim Smith went to Maine and got certified as swift water rescue instructors. Uh, spent better part of a week up there in swift water, flood water, ocean water, just doing all kinds of stuff. Come back to Clarksville and teach it. I was like, man, we need some good swift water to put these guys in. And it depends on the weather. Sometimes we do have some really strong currents, but the time class was coming, it was in the summer. We didn't have any water uh, in the blue way running hard. So it was like, we got to make our own swift water. So what kind of training did you do in Maine? So it was the swift water rescue instructor class. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just taught you everything from flood water rescue, like actually walking out, making rescues in the water, uh, rope rescues with throw bags. Uh, we use the reach, throw, row, go model uh, in swift water rescue. So each step of that, uh, how to safely enter the water and then get back out of the water if you do have to go in to, to make the rescue. And then part of the instructor course was you had to actually teach back to the instructors that were teaching you what you what you learned. That's a great idea. Yeah, so the instructor methodology part of it. So. It would make sure you're well versed in, in not only knowing the, the, the knowledge and the training, but able to present it also. I can only imagine how intense that is. I, I know that's true with a lot of things that first responders right. do, especially CFR. But I, in particular with water rescue, it seems like a thing where the person doing the rescuing is in not that much less danger than the person yeah. they're trying to save. Yeah, absolutely. Any rescue we do, we want to do our best to do it from either the bank or from the boat. So we don't have to put our personnel in the water. Um, if we can stay out of the water, then it, it reduces our risk a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of the rescues we do are with the specialized equipment mm-hmm. we have. And how many rescues does the this team make a year? So, or operations, or however you want. Yeah, to. usually in the summertime, we have about one call a week for some type of water rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe somebody at Billy Dunlop Park on the Blue Way that's lost. It may be a boat that's broken down on Cumberland River. Uh, maybe somebody lost in the Red River, but usually about once a week in the summertime, we have a call for, for service for water team. Wow. I didn't realize it was that many. We stay, we stay fairly busy. Yeah. And we have we have a pretty extensive blue way that's growing here in Clarksville. I know the county wants to expand their portion and get us connected where you can go from Port Royal down yeah. to Riverside Drive. Yeah. And people are already doing that. And the float, really? Yeah. So it's, it's a, man, probably a six or eight hour float from Port Royal. Riverside, it's right. going to take a while. Right now, don't you got to get out and carry portions? Or? Some places you may have to get out a little bit. If you're in a kayak, you'll probably be okay. But mm-hmm. a larger canoe, you may have to get out and drag it a little bit, depending mm-hmm. on the weather. We, uh, for our last uh, anniversary, my wife and I went down to the Keys and did a uh, kayak, went kayaking through yeah. the through the mangroves and right. uh, Key Largo, and it That's was awesome. Awesome, but it was also we actually almost went out into open water by oh, wow. accident. We got caught up in a boat's wake. We started and we got we were lost, lost. Wow. But uh, it, it was a good time. But I can, I mean, going through that tough stuff, I wouldn't want to get out on some of these these less tended waterways. Right, and that's that's one of the hardest aspects of it is figuring out where on the water the people are. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can get to you, we can rescue you, no problem. But mm-hmm. actually getting that location, it's the blue way from Robert Park to Billy Dunlop is like a two and a half mile stretch. Mm-hmm. But once you get past that, you know you're six miles to 101st and another almost 10 miles to Riverside. It's a long way. So pinpoint that location is huge. And, and water recreation has become more and more popular around here. We have, we've always had canoe and kayak a little bit, Mm -hmm. but on the, on the river proper now, and we got people tubing and I saw it on the red river, these folks who are getting out in a, in like water tanks for cattle and they got those floating. Yeah, that's, can, that's more up towards Port Royal. Yeah. company that does that. Yeah. Uh, I saw that on Facebook. 
that and paddleboarding, just a lot of people out on the water. And it's a great for Absolutely. the community, great Absolutely. to have more things to do, but it does come with some risk. And unfortunately, we've seen some of that risk in the past couple yeah, of years. Absolutely. Last summer, we had three drownings in the Blue Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to that end, I guess one of the main things I want to be able to give people is some advice on how to enjoy the waterways, but right. stay safe. If you had to kind of give people the sort of do's and don'ts, yeah. where do we start with that? So one big thing is if you're on a boat, and that can be a canoe, a kayak, or even the tank we talked about, if you're propulsion at moving it somewhere with a paddle, it's considered a boat. You have to have a life jacket. That's that's Coast Guard rules. Uh, so anytime you're you're in that, doing that activity, have a life jacket with you. If you're less than 12, you got to have it on. So a lot of people don't realize that. Um, people put the puddle jumpers on their kids, little water rings, and think that's okay. And that's fine for a swimming pool, but in open water or on your, your kayak or on your canoe, doesn't cut it. you got to have a Coast Guard approved life jacket or that. Another one is just knowing how to swim. A lot of people go to Billy Dunlop just to wade out in the water and, and you know be waist deep or knee deep, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. the corner right there at Billy Dunlop Park, right where the bridge is, it drops from man, knee deep, waist deep to over your head mm-hmm. in a matter of a few feet. So a lot of people get out over their head real quick. They panic, and then mm-hmm. you know, somebody has to go get them, or we have to go get them, or something you know, something tragic. Happens. I've fallen off that drop it's more crazy, than once, usually chasing my dog. I'll take him out there. Yeah. Yeah, it gets deep real quick, especially at Billy Dunlop. So we do a lot of our swift water training right there in that corner because of that. We can you know do deep water entries right there and do boat flips and all, mm-hmm. kind, of, all kind of fun stuff right there at that same spot. Mm-hmm. But learning to swim is huge. Yeah, and I know – um I, I'm. I have a four month old currently, and he's, he's. Thank you. He's nowhere near old enough to take out on the water or right. to the, even the pool yet. But I, I'm very excited for that. Yeah. How how old is old enough? Do you think to, so, to have kids out there? There's actually people teaching swimming lessons to like two or three month old kids. It's crazy, like infant swimming lessons, and it. it I have kids too. And it scared me to death to to allow my kids to do that. I mean, in a controlled environment, sure, but I wouldn't take them out. Oh, absolutely not. Um, A couple weeks ago, we did a a water safety day, and Jennifer turned up at Parks and Rec was at Robert Park, and somebody was about to put an infant on their canoe and go on a raft or float or something and come down the blue lake. She was like, I would highly advise you not to do that. That that scares the tar out of me. I don't like that at all. No, absolutely. Uh, Think about what you're doing. Uh, Anything else? Um, if you're going to go and float the blue way, that's great, but have a plan, mm-hmm. like know how you're going to get back to your car. If you leave it at Robert Clark, um, uh, tell somebody where you're going. If you've been gone for five or six hours and you're just going from Billy, uh, Robert Clark to Billy Dunlop, it shouldn't take that long. So tell somebody where you're going, have a plan of, of when you're putting in, where you're taking out and what time you expect to be back. So if you're not back in that time, we can come get you mm-hmm. and start searching for you or, or get you the help you need. Another one people don't really think about is keeping an eye on the weather. Oh, yeah. Because it could be fine here in Clarksville, a nice sunny day, but up in Kentucky, they could be having a downpour that would affect the blue way in a matter of a few hours. Uh, so just have an eye on that. If you hear thunder or lightning or anything, lightning can strike 10 miles away from the center of the storm. So if you hear that thunder, you need to be making your way out of the water and into shelter. Uh, you know, a big one is don't drink while you're out on the water. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to have alcohol in the parks anyway, mm-hmm. so just just keep it out of the water. You know, the same water and alcohol don't mix. Uh, has a lot of merit to it. Um, this isn't really a 
a safety deal, but it's just a, a common courtesy. If you pack it in, pack it out. Mm-hmm. We deal with a lot of water or a lot of litter at Billy Dunlop. And mm-hmm. Parks and Rec does a great job of having trash cans there right at the takeout. They keep them nice and clean, keep them empty. Mm-hmm. And you'll still see just litter up and down the bank. So if you, if you pack it in with you, make sure you take it back out. Uh, the fine for littering is up to $500 now. So that should be some incentive to, to yeah. take your stuff out. So. Yeah, just some basic stuff. Yeah, just pick it, pick up. Like we have some great parks around here. We have wonderful green space and blue way area. Let's we'll just keep Let's it. Take care of and it. some of that's in people's backyards. If you go down Broadway Ripple Drive, you're you're in people's yards yeah, exactly. at that point. It's a big just about. Yeah, but uh, wonderful. And yeah, I know um, things. We do get people that sometimes get into trouble. Um, in that case. Called nine one one. I suppose absolutely. If if you're in trouble or know somebody's in trouble, say your your teenagers were going out to float and then they're not back in time, mm-hmm. absolutely call nine one one and give us as much information as you can. Mm-hmm. Where did they put in? How long have they been gone? Mm-hmm. What kind of you know float were they on? Were they in the kayak? Were they on the canoe? Yeah. Uh, any any impairments we need to know about? Mm-hmm. Uh, just locating them is is the big mm-hmm. one. I know uh, in some of the past incidents here recently, it's involved. They have involved someone getting hurt that even if they could swim, might have uh, uh, impaired their ability to swim well. Uh, I'm out on in Billy Dunlop. I get my foot stuck and, and get hurt and I'm having trouble swimming. What do I do to to? get myself out do i just allow myself to float do i need to try to get to the bank or what's so if, the... if you're at billy dunlop anywhere besides that that corner right by the bridge it should be less than than waist deep yeah so you know stand up call for help you know call for somebody on the bank to call 911 station 10 is right up the road and that's where we keep all of our swift water equipment mm-hmm. for that reason you know whenever we look at the city we look at target hazards and billy dunlop being the swift water target hazard that's where we keep all of our mm-hmm. equipment everybody in that station is trained to the swift water rescue level. So, yeah, call 911. We'll come down there as quick as we can and, and assist you any way that's needed. If we need to come out in the water and get you, we can do that. If we need to come out in the water and package you up in the, a Stokes basket to get you back out. We can do that. If we just need to throw you a rope and help you out, then we, can, we can make that happen. Big thing is don't panic. Stay calm. Call for help. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Wonderful. And I know, yeah, you guys do a wonderful job. I've, I've seen it. It's something to watch, really. Right. But um, awesome. Uh, anything else to add in regards to this particular topic? Um, so just some facts about drowning. Ten people a day drown nationwide. And that's just a staggering number to me that that many people even now are still uh, losing their lives to drowning. There's so much access to, to swimming lessons and to safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just be mindful of that. Uh, it's Drowning is the second leading cause of death in kids from 1 to 14. And a lot of that goes to, you know, supervision. So if you're watching your kids and as a new dad, you'll appreciate, you know, keeping your eyes on your kids, put down the cell phones. A lot of people think drowning victim is splashing around loud and screaming for help. They're not. It's silent. You know, they'll slip under the water and you won't notice it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Just be aware of your surroundings, what's going on, and watch your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch lifeguards a lot when I go to different places. We just got back from Universal Studios and the, the water park there and the swimming pools. Man, those lifeguards are amazing. They're on point checking the water. Your know, parents need to be doing the same thing. 
Uh, I spend a lot of time at our city pools. We do swim tests for all of mm-hmm. our uh, swift water people. Uh, multiple series of tests they have to do to make sure they're competent swimmers and comfortable in the water. And the same thing with our lifeguards. I mean, they're amazing. They do a great job of just staying focused on what's going on in the water um, and paying attention to that. But even parents have that responsibility. Put down the cell phone, watch your kids, and pay attention to what's going on. If there are people, uh, and we'll, I'll mention recruitment again later, but if there are people that are interested in joining CFR, specifically I want to to get on the Swift Water Rescue yeah. Team and work with people around the water, um, what are the kind of, or how, what's the process of that? What are the standards for, you mentioned training. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the standards is you have to be a firefighter first. You have to be a member of the department. So like, we're not going to bring somebody on just to be on the Swift Water mm-hmm. Team. You're going to start as a firefighter. Um, I've got guys that are in recruit class right now that are Swift Water certified, and they're already asking, hey, Chief, what do we need to do to, to be on the Swift Water team? And I'm, I'm laying the steps out. So if you, if you come in with, you know, knowledge of Swift Water, like one of the guys is already uh, Swift Water certified, we're going to put him to work. We're going to use him. We're going to bring him in, train him up, make sure he knows what's going on. He's familiar with our policies and procedures uh, and let him get to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my guys was a lifeguard at City Pool in Clarksville for like nine years. Swims like a fish. That's the guy I want on my team. That's the guy I'm going to put you know in the water to go get somebody. So any prerequisite knowledge or a passion for water, we're absolutely going to tap into that and, and give them the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to use those skills. What does it take to get certified? What are the like standards? I guess? So we use uh, NFPA standards that we train everybody to that's interested or on the team. So National Fire Protection Agency has standards that we we have for everything from firefighting to trench rescue to swift water. So a lot of people wouldn't think that the National Fire Protection Agency would be worried about water, but if it's rescue, NFPA is going to cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a group of people that are experts in whatever area that they're in charge of. And they'll set the standards of what people need to be able to do to be at that level. So we start off at the awareness level. It's an eight-hour class, basically, of this is swift water. This is what you do around it. You know, call for help. And it goes to the operations level. Uh, operations levels of about a 24 hour class that the guys will have to go through. And then the technician level, uh, the technician levels where you actually are certified and trained to go in the water and make the rescues, but it's, it's building blocks. There's, there's stages and levels to, to each discipline we do. And swift water that, probably that's very most. intense training. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, from your training, do you have any particular, like that was a rough day? So when I went to Swift Water Technician class in Maine, uh, the first day we started class at 6.30 in the morning um, in a swimming pool doing uh, one of the prerequisites of 300 meter swim. So you swim 300 meters and in a life jacket. So you think a life jacket would help, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. It drags you down and makes you a little bit slower. It's more resistant. So you know, you're getting winded doing that. And you had to do a, a 12 minute tread, water tread. Last two minutes, your hands are out of the water. So again, you're getting taxed. We started that in the morning. We were in the pool till about five that afternoon. We got out of the pool and went to a river uh, to do some, some river training. Uh, we call them live bait rescues. So that's where you put a, a rope on the rescue. The rescuer jumps in the water, takes off and swims out and gets the person. The instructor stood on the, the bank for a few minutes and they said, we've never done training with the water level this high running this fast. But y'all are here, so let's do it. So it was, yeah. it was pretty intense. We lost a guy for a few minutes. Uh, we had to, like, real-world scenario, you know, stop the training, get accountability of everybody, uh, and, and make sure he was accounted for. I think there were 15 or 16 people in the class. Three of them didn't pass. So, like, it wasn't a, 
you show up, you get a certificate. You got to show up, participate, you know, get done mm-hmm. with it. I guess that uh, I know there's been a few movies on this, and that's always something I find interesting: the reality between right. art, film versus reality. I'm thinking of like the movie, like The Guardian, that yeah. had a uh, Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, yeah. It, it, where I, I just remember particularly this, the scene in the pool where it's like if you touch the bottom you're out type yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Is that, is that about how that goes? Part of our water tread. You know, if you can't if you can't do it, it's a fail. And that's an annual test that the guys have to do every year. Yeah. And that's the part they always worry about the most. Yeah. Now, they they do fine for the most part, but uh, we get in the deep end and, and tread water for ten minutes. And the last two, uh, your hands are out of the water, which is pretty pretty taxing, pretty tough. Yeah. There's something scary about being out, the idea of being out in water where you oh, don't know how deep it is. Absolutely. But uh, that's wild. All right. Um, trying to think. Oh, I was curious because I just don't know. I know with um, part of that would also be floods. And mm-hmm. we've had that here, of course, in 2011. Um, were you here during that time? I was. Yep. Uh, can you tell me a little bit so, about that? Yeah, the flood was uh, 2010. We had, what, 12 inches of water, rain, and a few hours, I the water came up ridiculous. Yeah, and at that time, we didn't have any swift water training, very little equipment. Um, I got a phone call from my captain at that time. and said, hey, bring your swimming trunks and your tennis shoes. We're going to be waiting out making rescues. And I was like, absolutely, let's do it. Fast forward, you know, a few years down the road, and I'm like, wow, we, we did the best we could with what we had to work with. We're in such a better place now with the equipment and the training. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the flood in Waverly a year ago, two years ago. I was wondering about that. We, we sent crews down there uh, and, and assisted with that uh, response also. Yeah, and that was a that was a rough flood. It I was. mean, the 2011 one here wasn't a cakewalk, but that right. must – I can only imagine the Waverly. So the, the two difference – our flood was a slow rise in water. So mm-hmm. We had some time to plan and react and, and stage equipment, and we did a really good job with what we had uh, in 2010. The Waverly flood was immediate. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, a, a big wave of water came through downtown Waverly, and, and the water went from you know a, a stream to several feet deep. And we got down there, uh, we saw houses just washed off the foundations. Mm-hmm. There was a pile of cars just right there uh, in the center of town. We actually did make a recovery while we were down there. A lady was uh, in her shed, and the shed got washed away. We were oh my goodness! Yeah, she was. Deceased when we found her, but we were at least able to recover her then. Uh, we took our airboat down there. So we have a, a 20-foot airboat with a 525 horsepower Chevrolet motor on it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, took that down there to be of some assistance. But the crazy thing with flash flooding, it happens really quick, and then it drops down and it's gone real quick. So by the time we got down there most, the flash flooding was gone. It was just a search and rescue more than a, a water rescue type deal. Uh, but we, we took that and we're ready to go at that, at that time also. Yeah, the Waverly flood, the that was a definitely an intense. Um, yeah, and I knew street department sent people to help with infrastructure. I hadn't thought about rescue going down there, but that makes perfect sense. And yeah, uh, I guess kind of moving forward a little bit. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys up now is this will be turned around and out tomorrow. I wanted to. People are going to be out on the water mm-hmm. for for the fourth. They'll be at the quarry. They'll be on the river, just all that kind of stuff. Um, they'll also, of course, be shooting fireworks, <laughs> which I know is a is a fun time for you guys. Absolutely. I'm curious if we can talk a little bit about firework safety. 
What do people need to know? And I can start this. I'll start off with I have uh, an experience I remember from childhood. I'm going to call my dad out for a minute Mm -hmm. of uh, what not to do, uh, which is uh, disposing of spent fireworks in the bonfire (laughs) uh, in which he blackened up the side of my grandparents' house quite well when I was six or seven. Yeah, that could be very dangerous. You never know what the fireworks are going to do. So, But uh, I, I know we... It's not a small amount of damage and calls that you guys get during fireworks season. Do we have a, a rough number? I mean, every year we respond to, I mean, with, with our job, it's stuff happens. Uh, accidents happen, but being smart, uh, some people like that dispose of fireworks the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Throw it in a trash can or a box, think it's out and it's right by their house. So the box catches, then it goes up the house into the roof. Mm-hmm. So it destroys our whole house. Yeah. Uh, any other best practices people should know? Uh, know your fireworks. Know what they do. Know how they operate. Read the directions. Uh, be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, don't drink. and <laughs> Let's not hold my beer and watch this. Right. Uh, be smart about it. Yeah. Uh, and of course... Again, keep kids away from that, too. I know when I was a kid, I loved to help, but maybe make sure your kids are a little older and, right, and yeah. you can don't, be confident. Don't hold them and light them. You know, don't yeah. shoot bottle rockets out of your hand. Uh, I've seen fingers blown off. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, be safe with them. Make sure you're out away from the house. You know, you're away from your neighbor's house. Yeah. But I would say one of the biggest things, like Chief Rio said, was make sure you're disposing of them properly. Mm-hmm. Water, hose them down when you're done with them. Soak them. Give them yeah. something wet. I try to keep a bucket, a uh, five-gallon bucket of water oh, yeah. to toss stuff to yeah, dunk perfect. stuff in. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's practice right there. But um, another thing with that, I always end up with a little bit of leftover. Specifically, I know I have a box of firecrackers. I, I was actually mentioning my kid. We wanted to see how he'd react uh, to the sounds. So we so firecrackers in the form of no. But I was, I did go outside and light some with him in the kitchen and right. my wife kind of watched just to see how he'd react to the noise. And then we brought him out on the porch while I lit some in the yard. Okay. Uh, I thought you said you lit him in the kitchen. No, <laughs> just like home alone. Okay. Yeah. Just, just yeah, like the home alone the movie. Merry Christmas. You <laughs> I mean, you'll be surprised what, I mean, I was about to say, I'm saying this like, of course I didn't do that. But now I'm now imagining 911. We, we, we put stuff out there and remind people not to shoot out of cars. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Because it happened. Well, that was yeah. a specific ordinance a couple of years ago that we had to add to the books of yeah. don't shoot fireworks from cars at people's yeah. houses. Yeah. Uh, don't shoot in the house. We had an incident a couple of years ago where someone decided to shoot it out the window and... <laughs> It didn't make it out the window. It hit the window and bounced back in, and oh now your house is on fire. Oh, no. So, Sometimes um, you got to put a reminder out there. This is be yeah. smart yeah. type of thing. Uh, I guess kind of back to with that, I do tend to have a little bit left over. Are all, I'm, I'm cheap. I like to go and get them after the fourth on the right. big discounts, and I'll put them away in a, in a Pyrex or whatever, mm-hmm. or uh, those big plastic tubs for next year. Uh, is that safe to do? Should I not be doing that? I mean, really? Uh, I wouldn't gamble. I mean, fair. Where are you going to store it? In, in the garage? Maybe. Next to the, <laughs> next to the water heater? Fair enough. Yeah. So maybe, maybe use them or lose them mentality is That's a little not, better. It's not a bad. 
bad idea. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. So shooting fireworks, I mean, Fourth of July, uh, the city allows you to shoot fireworks July 1st to the 5th from 6 o'clock to 10 p.m. Can you go tell my neighbors that? <laughs> we, we, try, we, we try to put it out there and yeah, beat it down your throat. I mean, we're in a military community, so we got to think about like PTSD and mm-hmm. all that. So mm-hmm. some of these uh, soldiers come home and uh, they got to prepare themselves for Fourth yeah. of July and hearing the fireworks. So be mindful of your neighbors and Respectful. your community. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree with that. People, soldiers, you also got people who, if you let your dogs out, they're going to end up running off. If they're, I got one that hates fireworks. She, she goes and hides in the bathroom. Yeah. But uh, I, I get it. People got to have fun. But maybe, maybe let's Respectful. keep it within a few days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, take advantage of the of the professionals and yeah. and go to the your city's show. In our case, ours is July third, I believe, mm-hmm. at Liberty Park, oh, yeah. and it's always fantastic. Oh, it's a great good show. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. I used to love um, I've worked in, in concerts and stuff and worked around. I've, I used to be certified to make basic pyrotechnics for, for concerts. Um, I've long let that lapse, but it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen people who do professional fireworks shows pretty up close. It's, it's something else. Right. It is a level of coordination and just the sheer math of getting it all to go. Right. Right. And you'll be surprised of how much work goes into and their plan, their safety plan and their application to put into the state that comes to us mm-hmm. that this is approved. This is what we're shooting. This is where we're shooting. This is our safety plan and based on the area where we're oh, shooting. Mm-hmm. It is crazy. It's not lot, easy to get certified to do pyro. Oh, yeah. And then our uh, fire prevention guys goes and making sure they're going to the plan, going by the plan, even pyrotechnics or the fireworks show. Mm-hmm. So making sure it's safe for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. But definitely go check out the show. It's awesome. Last year's was particularly killer and they up it every year. Yeah. I can't, I'm excited to see what we got this time. Have you seen the, the happy face? I have. <laughs> How do they do that? That's pretty cool. It, it, it's again, I, from friends who used to do it, you, you pack like a shell within a shell and it's yeah. like timed release. Yeah. Like the, the, paper can keep it from blowing all the way through so it'll blow that first layer and then it's time for like five milliseconds later the next layer and so on and so forth it looked like these big shells look almost like an onion the way they're packed but it's it's really cool some of my favorites are like the tropical looking the ones that go up and look like trees or whatever it's or flowers it looks so cool yeah and i also i mean go watch those because Who's got money for fireworks in 2023? Right. They're expensive. <laughs> yeah, they are. Think prices are up on everything, yeah. and I, I'm not going to be burning a lot of money on my own fireworks. Well, mean, everyone thinks that, you know, the little, my kids love the little poppet things. Yeah. Yeah. Throw it at each other's feet and <laughs> dance. <laughs> and then the sparklers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People think sparklers are safe, but no. Man, them jokers. They're like 2,000 degrees. Burning 2,000 degrees. Are they really? They're hot. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially like a welding rod with some extra stuff on it, right? That's scary stuff. Yeah. Here, give it to your kid and let (laughs) them write their name. Don't poke your eye out. Yeah. No, goodness. Get it. Got to get it on Instagram or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My kids will take the poppets and put them behind my tires. Sometimes I'm back. Oh, I hit. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, man. That's wild. Well, I mean, I I won't pretend like growing up, especially out in Cunningham Mm -hmm. and having family in Woodlawn area. 
there, there were a lot of summers oh, with bottle right. rocket wars in the woods. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Roman candle wars. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's why we do it. Uh, put it out that not to shoot out of cars. One yeah. time we had a group of teenagers rolling down the road shooting uh, mm-hmm. the Roman candles out of cars. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So firefighters had to put all their gear on and middle mm-hmm. of summer go put out these spot fires ruining someone's yard and mm-hmm. very dangerous. Make sure you're able to get away from them once that fuse is lit. I, oh. I know there's that video that's back it up, Terry. Back it up, Terry. It's that. a joke, but <laughs> oh, yeah. it's also <laughs> it's a lot of merit in that. You get yeah. away from them. Oh, yeah. Light and Oh, goodness. Yeah. But I, I do love this time of year. Fourth of July is a great holiday yep. to go out and have some fun. Absolutely. But, uh, just be safe. Be careful, especially when it's this dry. Are we still on a burn ban? I know we were a little while back. No. I, I mean, didn't think we were now. We're good right now. Last yeah. year, this time, we were dry and hot. Yeah. And, but, I mean, it's supposed to be hot the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. This is coming out this weekend. But yeah, I hope we get some rain this weekend. So. Yeah. I, hope, I think we're supposed to. I think we're supposed to get some, like, tonight. Okay. But yeah. uh, it'll, it'll be nice if we can get it out of the way. I feel like it always rains on the 4th. But uh, yeah. around showtime, yeah, it kind of helps for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what do you think? I think they shot them early because of the storm. Mm-hmm. I forget what day exactly, also. But Fort Campbell's gonna have a good one, and Leonard Skinner's playing. I saw that. I think there's actually on the fourth. Yeah, Leonard Skinner and Stone Temple Pilots, yep. I think, is the other band playing, which awesome. Yeah. I've actually worked with Leonard Skinner, they're great really? people. Yeah, I did a show, I did follow spots for them one time in Martin, Tennessee. We were lucky enough to get them booked for the local. Their festival is like the Soybean Festival, <laughs> which sounds very like. But uh, my boss, who was the uh, the tech director for the local college, University of Tennessee at Martin, he had worked with like Black Oak, Arkansas as a, as a tour, like right. a managing roadie and had a lot of friends right. and was able to get like I've, I got to work with like Joan Jett and Leonard Skinner awesome. and yeah, it was it was a cool little job to have for the summers. So but, anytime. I mean, to me, anytime you're out hearing music live, that's a good time. Yeah, it doesn't matter what type of music you do. I work security for my cousin's band. So, who's your cousin's band? Uh, Straight Nova. Yeah, I know them. I think they're playing the F and M Arena show. Oh, really? Yeah, that's really cool. I uh, I grew up playing music locally. I my band in high school and college played at the Coup. We were good nice. friends with all them. Yeah, and, yeah. And we actually did Riverfest a couple times with cool. the Coup stage. But we have a lot of great local music yeah, around we do. here. There's a lot of talent. Yeah. Casey, what'd you play? Uh, bass guitar. I'm a bass player. That's what Dalton plays. Uh, yeah. 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 That's where I know him from. Yeah. I was trying to think where I, I knew I knew your brother, but I couldn't think where. That's yeah. that's it. Nice. What's well, my cousin? But our cousin. Yeah. He's yeah. like my brother. Yeah. So. yeah. But uh, everybody knows each other, especially yeah, once you get out town. in the county. Or if you've been here since like 2012. Right. I, we've exploded now and you don't know everybody anymore, right, but yeah. there's still that core of people yeah. that... Everybody, everybody. Yeah. We're, we're and big, you're probably all related. Yeah. yeah, we're a big small town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Getting bigger. I, yeah. I saw. I know we're uh, getting pretty close to Chattanooga, and I, oh, yes. I yeah. heard the word is in like five years we may be talking more getting close to Knoxville. Wow. Which, and there's a lot going on. Yeah. A lot of big business and a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Especially when it comes to entertainment, which gives you guys a lot more to think about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Uh, is, is that a big thought with Clark Fire Rescue? As things grow, we have to offer new things. Oh, there's, a, there's a plan for everything. Yeah. The city's growing, so the department has to grow with it. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, I, I heard talk, and I don't know if this is really the case, but I heard talk that as we are starting to get taller buildings, 
some some upper story work has to uh, that comes into with yes. Chief McCurdy comes yep. into different training oh, yeah? special operations high rise uh, evolutions high rise packs um, and we're we're already looking you know to what we need to do with that mm-hmm. uh, I've got contacts in big cities that we can actually hey what do we need to do for this we've got a what ten story building coming in. I, I heard about that. Seven. I don't know if yeah. is that confirmed. I don't know, but we're we're, yeah, we're already yeah, the Milan building. We're already looking you know that way mm-hmm. to yeah. see what's coming in. LG Kim's coming in, so we're looking at what type of you know emergency response we need there and mm-hmm. what type of manpower and equipment. So. Oh yeah, this industrial stuff too. Industrial I covered stuff. a fire at like Florum that was mm-hmm. like a semi big deal back yeah, about a year had, ago. We've had several events in the industrial park that we've had to. Mm-hmm. Had to help mitigate and chemical issues. I know yeah. that's always. Oh, we had that thing on the interstate, not to, or highway. What was that? We had the two semi trucks wrecked the same day. Oh, that was crazy. Propane truck got rear-ended. Yeah, somebody else and, and caught fire. Mm-hmm. We had to extinguish. That was a pretty, uh, pretty sketchy call. Uh, and then a couple hours later, another yeah. truck semi truck wrecked and caught fire. Carrying cardboard. Carrying cardboard. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. So yeah. like back to back. So. Yeah. You guys just got it. You guys are just on your toes. So many different. I can't imagine juggling all those plates. It's it's a lot. Um, Chief Montgomery's done a real good job of breaking down those areas. You know, the Special Operations Division was started about a year ago. Before then, it was just kind of how hey, you show up and you do the mm-hmm. best you can and and go from there. But he's done a really good job of breaking down the city into divisions mm-hmm. and sectors and, and giving people responsibility to kind of watch that. I've been very impressed with Chief Montgomery's tenure yeah. as as chief. Not that. Our previous chief wasn't good, right. but he's just done a really good job of pushing forward and innovating yeah, in particular. Chief McGovern is very forward thinking. He's mm-hmm. always looking for what's next, what's coming down the pipe, and how can we prepare for it. Yeah. So anything happens in Clarksville, in the city limits, we want to be prepared to mitigate that situation. So mm-hmm. we're going to train for it, be prepared for it, and Get the equipment. make it happen. We just, uh, in the hazmat world, we just got a, a hazmat identification machine. Yeah, I saw the grant. Yeah. yeah. So that was you know, a $60,000 piece of equipment we got through grant money. Uh, it's one of, I mean, Nashville may have one. I'm mm-hmm. not 100% sure, but I mean, we're like the only people in the area that have that that technology. And it's, it's pretty amazing. What's it do? So if we get to a call, we we have chemical in, in a container in a bottle, uh, a white powder call or anything like that. We can come up and, it's going to sound crazy, but shoot this laser at it, and it will identify what the material is and tell us, Tell us what it is and how we need to how we need to treat it if it's hazardous or not. Technology blows my amazing. mind. Yeah, That's some amazing. Star Trek stuff. Yes. yes. But uh, you imagine all the training that goes into it. Oh know. yeah. Walk by Chief McCurdy's office. He's already training on it, studying, and yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. I, I always love the tech for like bomb disposal. I yeah. always thought that was so cool. Bomb squad guys. I mean, they. I, we went to. I've been to a couple bomb calls. Uh, they actually blew it up on scene, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. One of them was a, a hand grenade somebody threw through a window, and yes. somebody tried to mess with it, uh, tried to make it you know, mm-hmm. bomb or whatever, and uh, they blew it up on. So were you there that night? Station no. five, but uh, it was what so funny. It was a cell phone. Yes, cell, cell phone doctor threw it through the window. Yeah. They threw it through the window, and and it was like three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they blew it up right there on site, side of Fort Campbell Boulevard. I know military town too. You occasionally get people with what they think are antiques and are actually. Right. I just saw um, I saw a, uh, a clip of the show The Rookie where a woman brings in like an old Claymore yes. into a gun buyback and I, and I just, that just made me think of Fort Campbell. Yes. I can just imagine my son my son or dad had this from when he was in the right. military and oh lord. Yes. A, lot, a lot of times people move 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes they leave like a a cache of stuff they don't want. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's something that looks like a bomb or a grenade. Mm-hmm. You got to treat it as, as mm-hmm. a live ordinance because you don't know. Then you got these magnet fishermen. I know that's a big hobby that's getting bigger. Yeah. And occasionally they'll find something wild. I saw some guys doing that. Uh, really? Yeah, I've seen a couple, not here, but I've seen a couple instances on YouTube. I used to, they were, they're cool videos to watch because they'll mm-hmm. find neat stuff, but they basically throw out these big like tungsten super magnets on, on rope and just dro- drag them across the bottom of a river. Oh, wow. Imagine what they find. I've seen, they've pulled up safes, these guys I've watched, or um, a couple times like recovered someone's bike who, oh, I, my bike, I, bit it too close to the water and my right. bike went in the water <laughs> but occasionally find like cannonballs that may have some black powder that's had time to to yeah. lay, turn into nitroglycerin i would and, imagine you'd find some interesting stuff yeah, yeah. For, especially yeah. before defiance and all that stuff yeah the water's no telling give me a magnet yeah we'll take the fire boat out later we let's do it <laughs> oh, there, there we go do some training yeah <laughs> love it well, I guess we'll end uh, mentioning as far as Clarksville growing. That also means CFR needs to grow, and that means people. I recently came and photographed uh, a CFR uh, graduation. Some of the cadets getting their uh, hats and badges and oh, yeah. joining the force proper and need a lot more where that came from as time goes on. How do people uh, find where to apply? Well, well, twice a year we open it up for testing. So we open it up on the city's website. So cityofclarksville.com and under the employment tab, you can find new hire firefighter or go to clarksvillefirerescue.org and we'll have the application open for a couple months. I'm guessing it's PT and then a written test type of thing? or We start with a written test, uh, basic knowledge, a little bit of math, reading comprehension type of thing. And then uh, you pass that, you move on to the physical test. And then physical test, you go to the board interview, and pass the board interview, you go to the chief's interview, then mm-hmm. he makes a final decision. And whatever the need is, we uh, hire from there. How long's the the how long are you a cadet? How long is training? 14 weeks. It really it's depends been, on is cadet the right word. We call them rookies. Rookies. Recruit. Recruit. Yeah. I've seen them out here. They do their training downstairs at City Hall in the computer room, and I've seen them marching around downtown. Yeah. It's, it's intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's they, Chiefs run. Chiefs tell, run. Yeah. I mean, they, they go through a PT every every morning now. Mm-hmm. It's Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30. Start with some PT, and then we train you everything. I mean, requirements, uh, mm-hmm. you just have to have your high school diploma or GED, be 21, have a valid driver's license, and stay out of major trouble. Mm-hmm. So uh, we look at that and accept applications, and man, come on, we need you. Very cool. And... I guess to that end, if each of you will end on this, tell me best thing about being a firefighter. Man, for me, it's it's the people. I mean, me and Chief McCurdy, we worked in the station for Mm -hmm. so many years. They say brotherhood, brotherhood, sisterhood. Absolutely. I mean, you're working with your best friend every day, going through good, bad, and ugly. I mean, it's a great time. Very rewarding. I mean, pay is, is good. It could always be better. I mean, any job, but I mean, it's not about the money. It's about yeah. what you get back. It's not like saving a life, CPR, uh, delivering a baby. Uh, you're responding to someone's worst day and mm-hmm. we're, the, we're the people they call. Mm-hmm. 
Everybody's happy when firefighter shows up. Yeah. Yeah. We do. <laughs> Anything to add yeah, to that? It's man? awesome to be able to have an impact on somebody's life and change it for the better. You know, I've, I've been on scenes and not really much I could do, but, you know, you put your arm around somebody and hug them and tell them, you know, hey, we're going to do everything we can for your loved one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just having that interaction with them is, is, is huge. Um, for me, on my side, uh, in the special ops division, man, I've got all kind of cool toys. Fireboat, airboat, you know, Zodiacs, hazmat ID. We got drones, you know, trying to get Chief Montgomery to buy a helicopter. I keep getting shut down on that. But, oh, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. And uh, like I said, I, I've gotten to work with you guys quite a bit, both as a reporter and now. I'm always blown away by CFR and just it. the work you guys do. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that, like you said, you get you make a big difference in the community. And it's always good when the fire department shows yeah, up. And thank you for all you do. Helping yeah, us get the word out. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Do a great job. All right, so next time you see any of our CFR folks around, tell them hey. And uh, I think we'll call it there. Thank you again for tuning in to On Public Square, and see you next time.